Welcome to the One Size Does Not Fit All podcast. I'm Kat Vitu, the founder of the World Life Tribe, and I co-host this show with the lovely Liberty. And together we meet the most inspiring people that are here to give you tools to live a life where you will thrive. Bon Raw makes it easy for you to sweeten naturally with minimum effort and zero compromise with their delicious range of raw and unrefined organic sugars. Bon Raw is better for you and the planet. Find Bon Raw's silver birch, panela, and coconut blossom at Waitrose. Welcome to our podcast, One Size Does Not Fit All. It's me again, Liberty, and I'm joined by Kat. Hello, Kat. Yes, Cat Tooth outside doing a recording. I'm outside in the sun. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, it's so lovely. It changes everything, doesn't it? It does, but it. But you did just tell me I should enjoy today because from tomorrow it's a bit colder. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you I'm know, I laid like, out here you know, now. I like to keep it real. <laughs> enjoy it now because it's going. I'm always positive on time, me. Um, yeah, it's 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 still going to be warm tomorrow, but then after that, that's it. I think for a few days anyway. But you know, it'll be back. It'll be back. It's just a shame. I like it when it comes and it's here, and it's just like that's it. It's going to be warm for weeks and weeks because it's such a mood lifter and it's oh, coincided it completely with us being allowed out. Yeah. So it's so nice to be allowed to go outside and it being absolutely glorious. Yeah, it's it's really nice, really, really nice. And I think uh, like you, my kids are off at the moment. So they're really like, you know, they're outside, they're in a pair of shorts Went swimming this morning. Um, and then, you know, it's been really, it's gorgeous. So I want to talk about mine. a program that I've um, been watching. Or I watched on Netflix at the weekend, which nobody else would watch with me because um, they thought it was too serious. But I watched that Seaspiracy. And I will never eat fish again. Yeah, I'm not eating fish ever, 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 ever again. That's it. I'm done. No more sushi. I love sushi. It's done. It is yeah. one of, you know, I am into all of the cowspiracy and this spiracy and, you know, um, but this one was, it blew my mind actually. And it was interesting actually, because I haven't even read about it, but I, I, I grabbed a moment by myself on Sunday and I was like, oh, I can pick what I want. This is genius. So like everybody was out, <laughs> picked on Netflix and it came up and I was like, well, what's this about? And I do love this kind of thing, but it's all about, um, uh basically this guy who's loved the sea since he was a kid you know loved David Attenborough all the really cool guys like that um and but wanted to know a bit more about the plastic mission and you know what's going on with our seas why are they in such a terrible mess um and the thing about it he Mm. went sort of deeper and deeper into the research of it and it is harrowing it is so sad what actually we do not know about what's going on in the world um it ranges from um, things like it mostly to do with how they fish, you know, the size of the net. I mean, if, when you see it, it's, it's absolutely crazy. But it was um, it shows you that why this, the oceans need whales and dolphins, but actually they're getting killed all the time. You know, places like Japan aren't supposed to be um, killing whales, but they're doing it under the radar, you know, and in Denmark, they do it also, you know, it's just different. It's just mind blowing what we don't know, I think. And I didn't even think about it. And actually people who, um, were talking about it were saying like fish, um, you know, people are often around saying that fish don't have any feelings, Well, actually they're one of the most creatures that have the most feelings. 
And actually, when you watch it, you see how barbaric it is that they're treated. And it's not just small fish. It is sharks. It is everything. They were showing sharks for shark fin soup and all that. And they were saying, you know, it's, it's, um, it's quite bad because it's, it's a billion dollar industry fishing. You know, it literally is. And the emptiness of the seas that are happening. Um, it sounds really down, but it is because we shouldn't be doing it. Um, people go, I can't watch that, it's too depressing. Yeah. You have to watch it to know what's going on in this world, quite frankly. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, there is an understanding, but we don't just, we just don't need to be so greedy. And we're so greedy that we're taking everything away from the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about tuna, actually. I think I said tuna. And for every seven tunas that they were fishing in um, off China, Japan way, it was something like 45 dolphins get killed each time they do this and that's oh, a huge number and i oh. think they're saying whales and dolphins around thirty thousand an hour are killed um across the world um you know and it's all to do really with fishing and the interesting fact was they were saying but it's the plastics that are killing the ocean and yes the plastics are obviously there but it turns out that it was something like 0.03 percent are straws are uh, rather than everybody thinking it was all plastic straws which actually when you think about it, it's like how many of us actually do use plastic straws at home not really that many i don't go to that many people's houses and they use plastic straws but that's the pictures that you're led to believe um when they talk about mm-hmm. sustainability and basically what he was proving is that there is no sustainability in fishing um and he went to all the offices where you see all of that I, you know and i'm very passionate about this program because it really struck a chord in me and i was really I just thought I just I just wouldn't have looked at it and I don't think I really had a care for fish until this program until you put them all in the same boat and realize that that whether a fish is that big or whether it's that big they all count for the same and we are we're quite it's barbaric and what they showed in Denmark in the place there but it's like a tradition that they whale hunt they literally get all the boats and they know when they're coming in and they go around and they surround them. And then basically the next thing, they're all just getting in the water and they're slaughtering them, slitting their throats. And these are whales with babies in their tums and everything. And all they <gasps> see is all the people just oh jumping in. God. And I was just like, I can't, how is this a tradition? I don't get it, you know, I don't get oh. it. But they were justifying it by saying that they don't go fishing for small fish all the time. They just do this once or twice a year and that's how they justify it. But Denmark doesn't have to do that though, you know. But why would anyone why would anyone have to do that why would they but basically they were saying the only way we can stop it they were also showing fishing boats in asia of like connected to slavery basically and basically people were being thrown off the sides Uh, 12 year old boys you know who were going to work on these boats it was so I just can't get away from it, from watching it, actually. Um, and it isn't a nice watch, but it's, it is an interesting watch. And I just think we can't just neglect these things. If we don't do our part to try and help the planet, we could easily, everybody can yeah. go, I don't want to watch it because of this. But you just have to know what's going on. Have the information, then make yeah. a choice. Um, and I feel very yeah, strong about I, it, as I, you can tell. I'm glad it's good. This is the reaction we need. I saw a trailer that basically said, we're, we, you know, we're killing the sea. And if we do kill the sea, we'll we all dead. die anyway. Yeah, we, yeah we, we can't exist one without the other. We need to leave it alone because it needs to try and be restored because we're just basically killing everything in it. And once we kill everything in the sea, then we all die as well. And I'm just like, Jesus, that is dark. It is, and um, they were showing and all those labels for the associations. I thought, what was it called? MS, 
marine life association, whatever it is called. And they, they were trying to question, I mean, he's videoing it, trying to interview them going, so can you talk to us about the nets and the sea? And the nets are literally the size of an ocean. And so when they sweep things, they sweep millions of fish up all at the same time. Everything. There, there will be no fish left. You know, it's, 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 it's so upsetting how barbaric humans can be. And that is the reality of the situation. When you were, honestly, I was like oh stomping God. around the house, really like, Barrr, we are never eating fish again. Don't touch that. And the kids were like, we're never having sushi. I was like, no, we are never having sushi. We're all, you can have vegetable sushi, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. <laughs> And I will not eat one. I'm, I'm going to watch it. There. You can get Omegas from other things. That's big people. for you. Look, walnuts. That is big. That's <laughs> walnut big sushi. Yum. You've got to watch it, though. You're a big sushi lover. I, I am a big sushi lover, it. but I am prepared to stop eating it now. I won't touch it. Um, and it's like That's I've huge. not given up meat or anything, but this I feel very strongly about. Um, okay. And, and a lot of people Netflix have lost their lives trying to raise awareness to it as well. A lot of the activists have lost their because yeah. it's corrupt. It's corrupt. So a lot of people have. So this program's going to really wake people up. And it is, it's a world of scarcity and corruption, the whole thing. It's awful. It is it's so sad. But the only way people can fight back is if they stop eating it. You know, yeah. it's up to the people what you decide to do. I know our lives, but we cannot destroy this planet. It cannot be down to the human race. It mm. would be extremely sad because it's given us so much. I just think it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm over. What else have you done this with? <laughs> you see, like, well, I've got, I've got to go. <laughs> Oh my god. Um <laughs> I have been uh <laughs> I've been out and about, which is quite nice. Um I kind of forgot that we were allowed out the house a bit more this week. Everyone was saying, Oh, this was our last weekend in lockdown. And um I thought, is it? Um James went and played tennis last night and I was like, Oh, are you allowed? And he said, Yeah, everything's opening back up. Off I yeah. go. Um and um I went for a nice walk today with Maggie. Maggie was allowed to take a friend. So we walked with a friend and our dogs and um, it sort of felt normal, but it, because of the nice weather, it's like, it's like extra normal because everyone is out. Everyone is about, it's almost uh, like there's no, been no kind of gradual movement everybody's gone from we're in we're all in and now we're all out we're all out it's sunny yeah. it's summer it's almost like a holiday it's like a holiday mode my son is like some kind of golem creature who never leaves the house being a preteen kind of uh phone addicted pain in the butt but he was like oh, oh I forced him to come out he was like oh it's like it feels like holiday oh I don't like hot weather. Oh, oh, where's everyone out? What's going on? Where's everyone going? Um, It's very weird. It's so weird, in fact, that it sort of ties in with um, what we're talking about today, which is the fact that we're being sort of going from one extreme to the other, especially based on what we've seen out there. Your kids have been out and about and said that it's pretty weird how everybody's just jamming up the place very closely well today they went down to the big um, pond and it was absolutely chaotic to the point where they came back because even they were like that was too close for me and you know usually it's me who says that but they were like it was too close everybody was too next to each other um we couldn't find a spot to sit on and I was like yeah just come back to the garden it's not worth that really 
So Yeah. Well, we've got a lovely guest with us today by the name of, I love this name. We've got Anel Grizel with us today. Anel Grizel. Anel Grizel. Anel is um, an occupational therapist and we were having a little chat with Anel before we came on air and we were talking about how interesting it will be making this transition from being locked in Gollum style to going to... Ta-da! we're back the sun is shining and we have to start talking to each other again and it's not going to be as easy as we maybe think it's going to be welcome Anel thank you thanks for having me thank you for joining us how are you I am good I'm really well I'm loving the sunshine and wow. but as you say it's yeah it's quite a transition and I yeah. think um I, I I kind of think like this when they kind of go into hibernation they could like gradual they'll kind of wake up and they're all sleepy and they kind of check things out um there's a little bit of a transition whereas with us it's kind of been bang you're going to go back and and it's sunny so let's go for it yeah Um, so yeah it's 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 interesting it's an interesting um experience loving it but um I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, is there going to be a, a, a crashing down of, oh, my gosh, this was too much? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, well, they always there? said amongst all of them that there was going to be a huge uh, mental health crisis when all of this was done. So we had the sort of health, physical health, and the fallout will be that mental health has taken such a bashing because it's just been such an unusual time so I that will show itself in all different forms as we make our way out but um I've already seen people arguing today which I found quite interesting because it was like the first thing I thought was god are they arguing because they were arguing over their dog so one girl one girl uh her dog um was very sensitive she said oh it's been attacked before and an old guy's dog came and jumped on her dog and they sort of started arguing, but it seemed really overinflated. And it was almost like, it looked like an argument that could have been really easily resolved, but they kind of seemed like they hadn't really had that much interaction. So it was really blowing up and everyone was stopping and looking because it was like, this is like TV, but it's outside. (laughs) And it was already, it was like live theater because no one's really seen anything like this for ages. And I was thinking, this is so interesting. This didn't have to be this dramatic, but everyone's loving it because we've just been so bored and it's not on netflix is everything gonna go crazy now yeah and i didn't have to subscribe and is is she gonna punch him are the dogs gonna survive is it gonna be on again next week it was really cool everyone survived it was very boring in the end That is good to know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it just seemed like, is everyone going to be extra sensitive? Are we going to be extra over, extra reactive or extra friendly? I don't know. I felt like people were really friendly to each other in lockdown. It was sort of a, hello, if you saw someone walking down the street, making space for each other. But as we go back in, are we going to be extra prickly? I don't know. I, I know. I, I, it's it's. it's definitely an interesting time to to kind of watch I I was very aware of so so a lot of my work is to do with looking at senses and our sensory experiences and the one thing definitely I think in lockdown was how deprived we've been how deprived we've been from other people from being in the same space as other people you know just visually auditory as you say you know hear people around even smells. I was thinking, you know, walking down the high street and so many restaurants are closed. Oh, you don't yeah. have that kind of hustly bustly smell of kind of around you. And 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 
now we're going to kind of go back back in. And um, and I, I agree. Today, um, there were lots of uh, kind of lots of kids around, and they were they were. It sounded to me extra loud in a lovely way, but um, it was unusual to, to hear groups of people together. Yeah, what did Kat say? Was it lovely? <laughs> it's it's um it's really sweet though. I think for them, I know they've been at school, but this being at school is one environment, and being kind of having a little bit of freedom is something completely different. And um. There are there are generation who are so unique in the way that they've lived through this weird time. I know you can't compare one and the other, but it's like wow, you've lived through this incredible lockdown. It's unique in the way that it's um, it's not like being so very dreadful. I mean, when I think of what it must have been like to be a child in the war or that kind of stuff, that's unimaginable. But this is unique in the weirdest of ways. Um, I think I was saying to a couple of weeks ago that kids in the future will look back and be like saying you know oh granny how cool you didn't have to go to school for a year but it's actually been pretty rubbish so I think they'll have an extra fun summer won't they now that they can see each other a bit more oh absolutely I hope so I think I think the one thing I was you know what you were saying about I think so many different generations live through different things and yes our kind of great grandfathers or grandparents they lived through the war but I think what was different is yes there was you were scared and the trauma was real but there was still a community and you were still connected and that's the big difference with our lockdown is we were so separate we were forced to be on our own we were forced to be isolated you couldn't just go over and give anybody a hug when when it was really sad or when you know you couldn't just go over to your neighbor and really shout at them or or get a punch up it just wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed you know Mm -hmm. and I think that that is the thing that I'm that I'm wondering about in terms of how is this going to be different in years to come? And exactly what you were saying is the stories that our kids will tell their children about this lockdown experience. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, the touch thing is so important. And, you know, like even in wartime, they were going through what they saw was horrific. But if a child had their mother, a, a, a child was with a stranger or whatever, you know, there was that opportunity wasn't taken away from them. And in this, like, it's just been really odd when you've bumped into people and you've just gone, oh, hello, you know, like, and th- that whole sense thing is gone, isn't it? You can't, you know, the whole top, the whole top thing is, the hugging thing is big, isn't it? Not being able to just hug. And it's, it amazed me at how much I miss, I personally miss that with people because I love hugging people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think people well, need a hug. Just an accidental touch, you know, as you, as you talk, just kind of, that kind of pat on the hand or, you know, pat on the shoulder. It is those little, little bits. I've missed it too. I'm a very, very huggy person and I've had to really restrain myself um, over the last year and remind myself, you know, keep a distance, which which is hard. But we need oh, that human sad, touch energy and connection though, don't we? We need to touch one another, you know, like it, it's part of bringing us together. It's part of, it's something tribal about it as well, isn't it? But it's part of, um, our survival to touch each other as well isn't it and I mean that in a good way you kind of touch each other <laughs> for a yeah 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 but um yeah no I, I I absolutely agree it is well we know what happens with babies when they don't when they don't get that nurture touch you know we, we know that that's not good for our brains it's not good for our development and I think as um as, as adults as as children 
absolutely can't. I agree. I think touch is um, incredibly important, and and we've messed out. So hopefully we can start to kind of make up for that and have lots of friendly hugs and um, yeah, and just get kind of just closer. Just that proximity thing as well. Um, I think is is really important and I think we've missed it I've missed it certainly um so I want to talk about your journey actually because you're from South Africa and I would say that your upbringing and your culture is very different probably to minor liberties um in just the kind of environment ways um do you want to tell us a bit about that yeah um so I I did I I was born in South Africa and um went to school there went to university and um and it was I was in my early early 20s when we came to the UK so my formative years were very much in South Africa and um, and I was uh, 22 so if just put the timeline and then people can work out my age but um, I very much grew up uh, during the height of apartheid so that was interesting as well you know talking about segregation and um, dividing people Um, and and as a child I guess I was pretty oblivious to that um, which which wasn't great. And then, you know, then at, at school, I decided I'm, well, my mum told me, um, you can't go and do drama. There's no career in that. So become an occupational therapist. And I said, well, I have no idea what that is, but it sounds interesting. Okay, I'll, I'll apply. And, um, and I went to university and it was it's the best thing that I could have ever thought of studying it's it really I think um it really defines me being being an occupational therapist uh, it's really part of who I am um and I know that because the word occupational therapist just means nothing but um, but I I loved it I love the diversity of it my university years were um were interesting we did all sorts of subjects I had to learn how to do woodworking and metalwork and and um and PE, and I had to do gymnastics, which I'm terrible at. Um, and when, then we had the medical side of things. So you you had to go and work with the medical students doing anatomy, physiology. And then there was the practical aspect, which was, um, I, I that is one big difference that I've realized between my, you know, growing up in South Africa, where there's no resources. People are very much like, well, there you go, off you go. Um, you've got a placement in the sticks, um, no cell, kind of no mobile phones, and off you go. And you just had to kind of find your way. And through that, I think you learn to be resilient, you learn to be very self-reliant, you learn to be, um, kind of make a plan. You you learn to kind of think on your feet, um, which which I think is a privilege. Um, There was a lot of times I've often kind of, um, I have encountered riots. I've been stalked by some mentally imbalanced kind of people who were not very well. Um, but, uh, but, but you always have that connection, you know, um, of your fellow students that you could kind of go back to. And I think, um, so you learn, you do learn about trauma, I guess, in, in one way or another. Um, but but you you kind of it's just part of your daily daily what you do. Um, and then but I'm going to stop you there for a second because when you talk about being stalked and you talk about the riots and stuff over here, if you had said that to somebody, that is like a that's a magazine story. 
that is a that's you know that's a huge thing that's a huge debate on tv it's it's not in the uk you you know like riots and um stalking and being you know being attacked i know they were part of your first year but they in the uk they're they're deemed as quite big but in south africa you were saying it's sort of different isn't it yes it is um (laughs) i i guess not in a good way (laughs) but um it, it does become, yes, so my first year as a, as a trained occupational therapist, so my first paid job um, was I worked in a, in South Africa, there were still very much in, institutions where um, people would go if you had learning disabilities or if you um, kind of were mentally unwell. Um, there was the massive, massive big hospital institutions, almost prison-like, and, um, and my first First job was I was working with limb disability team um, and we had 500, we called them patients at the time, so they were 500 um, patients that, and I was the only occupational therapist working there um, and the, the age range was really from little, little, little kids all the way up to 80, 90 year old um, older people and they were they lived in a ward so they they had no privacy it was just beds stacked along inside each other and um and yes so so my job was really to well it was hard to kind of define what I was supposed to do so you kind of make it up as you as you go along um but yes it was turbulent time it was the it was just before um, apartheid finished so there were a lot of riots and um, it wasn't unusual to have um, kind of the staff so that the, uh, there was uh, the couple of riots that I've been involved in that year was actually the staff who decided that they're going to um, riot and they would um, obviously they had keys to everything so they would come in hordes you know hundreds of people would kind of come through the through the wards and they would um, make a lot of noise and it was quite scary mm. um, and, um, and and what was interesting is and, and this was the thing that that I guess was it it, it baffled me um, so you would have a riot the one day and uh, my my biggest concern was always just the patients and we had a little school and that was my big thing so I was quite angry sometimes and I would um, go into into my bed of the corridor and I would say to them go another way you are upsetting my kids (laughs) you know (laughs) but the thing is the next day I would go down to the kitchens to collect things and then the people who were um, kind of well in front of the riots and organizing the riots they would be friendly towards me as if nothing had happened the previous day which was it was quite an interesting experience um how people would would yeah experience this but yeah right was was part of um was part of my first year as an ot oh my gosh and being stalked you were quite young then when that happened that's that's yes, that's um, quite scary isn't it? it it was it was yeah so i was probably kind of 20s in my 20s when i was being stalked um and it it just became you know uh, the the patients it, again it was it was patients and they um they were just unwell and you knew that and you knew that they were very volatile and you knew that even as a student so as a student you would start in your second year so you were only 18 19 at that time you would go and work and often you would work unsupervised so there wouldn't be another therapist there wouldn't be you would be in the community on your own and you had to kind of make it up as you go along 
So I guess that kind of prepared you that anything can happen at any time. But yes, the stalking was, um, it was hard. It was really hard on, on two levels because obviously yeah, I was I was very aware that with this one patient, um, he became quite obsessed about me and we tried to come for me to go in every single morning. I had to go in a certain time, say hello to him. And then usually that was okay. But as we now know, um, things escalate and, and that just wasn't enough. So I then had to, um, you know, then he started to kind of follow me. He started to kind of break out of um, the ward. He would come and find me at different times. And usually he was very volatile. And as a student, he was very well known. We knew that um, he, he he could be very dangerous. And um, so I was always aware. And I was like, I, you know, you just learn to kind of talk um, to him and try and kind of calm him down. And most of the times I could kind of get him back to the ward and we would you know, he he could then he was then calm and and so I think that that's definitely one thing I learned. But it just escalated um, to a point where I couldn't keep myself safe anymore. And um, in in a South African way, they they did support me. And um, I mean, there was no trauma care for me personally. But I think the way that that South Africans deal with trauma and certainly something that I've kind of learned over the years is that you um you, you you do talk about it you do talk about it to your friends um and that you do things so so for me it's action and I've and I've only very recently discovered that actually when you're looking at burnout and you're looking at all those cortisol levels and kind of adrenaline and stuff that floats around in your body the way to process that is by doing you know so I would go for a swim I would um <laughs> I would bake for me it was baking um that kind of really kind of helped me cope with this and um yeah and you know it's one of those things he uh, unfortunately we couldn't we couldn't he couldn't stay and um and that for me was that's something that I felt very guilty about is that he had to be removed because um his behavior became so so hard to deal with and he had to be moved and and I felt really guilty about that because it was kind of my fault that he couldn't stay in his home I guess you know all the only Uh, place that he no but it's not your fault though (laughs) I mean if you had done that to your daughter you would have wanted the same thing to happen wouldn't you oh no exactly exactly so so it is it's but it's something you know that kind of was at the back of my mind but um yeah, it was interesting times. Very interesting. It definitely prepared me for coming coming over to the UK. I mean, coming to over to the UK was oh my gosh, this is this is amazing. People are peaceful here. <laughs> mm. <laughs> We're peaceful, but we moan a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, <laughs> you are you are very polite. <laughs> interesting, <laughs> isn't it? The culture difference, though. The culture is different, isn't it, in every country? And it's interesting to see how you guys are quite resilient because of what you have to be put up with. But you're also, um, I don't know, your violent, the violence in, in South Africa is a lot more transparent. Um, and I think in the UK, we're, yeah. we're obviously a bit more, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to talk about anything in the UK, but it doesn't show up as much. It could definitely is happening but it just doesn't show up as much no Um, I agree I agree you know I think um what I've learned about uh, 
the English culture especially is that there are so many words to describe something. And, um, you know, and I, I remember some of the award, you know, when we would have um, kind of team discussions, big team discussions, um, and maybe it's just my lack of vocabulary. But when we were talking about kind of people and, um, you know, patients that, that kind of needed support um, or if there was an incident, um, in, in, <laughs> in the English ward rounds, it was very much very sympathetic, very, lots, very polite, very kind of considerate. Um, and I've learned, I've learned that now. But, um, and I remember, um, you know, people would say to me, I know you're extremely direct and <laughs> you don't beat around the bush. And I thought, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm very empathetic. You know? <laughs> that 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 and now you're a bit of a cow. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I guess that's the kind of the the, uh, the downside of being resilient is you you just learn to kind of say it as it is. And <laughs> I can't imagine that. No, you're so sweet. And when you said, um, "Oh, I felt so guilty that he was taken away," I was like, "Your heart is huge." I'd be like, "See ya, stalker." <laughs> you're like, "Oh, I felt so guilty. It was so sad." Bye. Also, um, I have to say, so... Anel has the sweetest dog I've ever seen. I just want to add that in, Wilmslow, um, which you just dog. On. Yeah, I'm just going to bring her dog yeah. into this yeah, quickly it's because it's so pug, cute and puppy. The most beautiful what pug dog I've ever is seen. he? Pugs. Yeah, he's a pug. He's a pug. Honestly, he has stolen our hearts. But um, he is a stubborn. You know, he fits in perfectly with our family because I think the other thing you can say about South Africans. We are stubborn and um, he fits in perfectly. You know, if he doesn't want to walk, you can't make him. You have to take him up and carry him. <laughs> we just had this this morning. I just walked with a South African friend and her, do her dog, Stanley, he's a sausage dog and he rolled in poo and she went, Stanley, sis, sis. And I said, what is, what's sis? <laughs> she said, oh, it means disgusting or something. I was like, okay. So I learned a bit of Afrikaans this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's the ultimate disgusting word. My <laughs> um, sausage dog did that uh, the other day. It is disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to say that next time, though. Uh, to say that, and I now think the dog has helped Batty's dog home. I just want to say that quickly. She didn't oh, go and get it from a breeder. She got some, you know, with all of this oh, dog breeding stories at the moment, you did get him from Batty's. You were so lucky well. to get a pug from there, though, too. Incredible, incredibly lucky. Yes, he was a he, he was hand raised by Battersea, and um, yeah, incredible. So he's yeah, his mummy wasn't very well, and he and his brother um, were given to to Battersea, and they phoned us, "Do you want a puppy?" And we were oh, we could not believe it. We could not believe it. But um, yes, I'm very grateful for Battersea. They and they've been amazing. They have been incredible. Yeah, but I know what you mean with all the stories in the news. It's it's heartbreaking to kind of hear what's happening, and it does make you make you a little bit worried um, about what's going on at the moment, isn't it? With people just snatching dogs. Yeah, and the um, the dog homes are overrun with puppies. Lockdown puppies. I was reading on Sky News last night. Just awful. Which is kind of weird because all the dogs are being stolen, but then there are this excess of puppies at the same time. Terribly sad. I think my dogs have been part of my way of getting through this because they're just so wonderful, aren't they? They know when you need them, as stubborn as they may be. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Our kind of because it, Winslow came to us in November, and the difference between the two lockdowns um, have been really amazing. He's just been gorgeous to have around, and I can see you. Yeah, you can. He's, there's always someone to kind of chat to. I think once, once since he's been there, and I've noticed that my kids. They are out of their bedrooms. That's been the best thing, you know, because they just come down, have a cuddle with him, have a little play. Because um, I've got two teenagers and um, mm-hmm. usually they're just upstairs. So great. That's lovely. That's actually true here as well. The, my, my son is almost 13 and he doesn't really like any of us, but he loves the dogs. <laughs> He's like, oh, Olive, you're so beautiful, I think. Who's he on the phone to? And then I look and he's like French kissing the dog. And I say, oh, she's been sniffing her balm. Well, he doesn't care. (laughs) You work a lot with um, families. That's the main part of your job, isn't it? Um, And then you work with, you know, children who have additional needs. Can you tell us a bit more about what that means? Yes. Uh, So I'm I'm really fortunate in that... um, there's quite a few families that I've got to know over time. Um, and yes, they, they families with with children who have additional needs and the additional needs are can be very varied. Um, you know, I work with families with kids who may have um, cerebral palsy, autism, ADHD, um, dyslexia. And, and it's incredible to, you know, it's a humbling experience. And I feel very privileged to um, have a small place small part in their family life um, so a lot of a lot of the work that I do um, this is where I have to try and explain what an occupational therapist is and I've no idea how to explain it properly <laughs> after 25 years um, I still struggle to say what I do um, I think essentially I play um, especially with the younger kids and and we use play as a medium to look at um, to, to help children develop their motor skills and some of the way that they process sensory information so you know when I say sensory information it's that that sense of how we um how we feel about what's happening around us you know because for some of us it can be really overwhelming and especially if we think about you know kids with um with additional needs it's hard sometimes for them to process where their bodies are in space how they move and you know and that can be terrifying and some of them can be very touch sensitive um Mm -hmm. others you know just doesn't recognize what's what's happening around them and they miss cues and that can include you know if you miss a sensory cue if you miss a a word or a body how people body language is you'll you know that can lead to all sorts of kind of problems in the playground so um, my job is really to look at where are the gaps what are the things that people want to do from a functional perspective and and try and see if I can help that in a practical way, but also look at it from a um, kind of neurodevelopmental side, which I know is a big word, but, um, but yes, with, and, and what I've learned over the years is I, there's no, it's no good just working with, with child. Um, you have to really think about the family dynamics and, right. and how the family fits in. And that's been a revelation to me. And it's been such a big privilege to um, learn about the family members and the parents and um, and help them, you know, to have that connection. Because for me, it's all about connection um, and how building confidence and building resilience. I think if you can do those three things, you know, you can take on the world. Um, and, that, and that's my main my main aim in life is to kind of see how if I can support families and empower power them. Mm. 
I really enjoyed, obviously, before we did this, I actually went on to Google and I looked up what is an occupational therapist? And I, I thought it was what I what I had in my mind, but it, it sounds such an appealing job in terms of the field that you're in because of that sort of variety and the fact that you can find yourself in any, it could be anything, you know, from being in a ball pit to being in your pajamas doing assessments, that kind of, that variety is so interesting whilst all at the same time being involved with the most interesting thing, which is the human brain and how we're perceiving things and how we're um my daughter is dyslexic well she goes to a dyslexic school but it's still she's nine but it's still not 100% what it may be that um is causing her to struggle with education um she absolutely loves her school and has just had the most brilliant year her first year there um but one of the things that she uh she had lots of assessments and so on and had an occupational therapist and one of the things they found that she finds very confusing is sequencing and language of sequencing and I kind of sort of I knew about this and I knew she was really worried about time and all that kind of stuff but it wasn't until the other day really sadly one of their teachers died at Christmas um, and a lovely lovely lady who used to help them do crafts and all that kind of stuff and the other day they said we're going to have her funeral and we don't want the kids to come in until midday and can you um, keep them at home and then bring them in and then we'll have lunch with them and we'll talk about Mrs. Williams and everything that's happened and we're doing a little, they did all this lovely stuff. But Maggie was out of control all morning and it wasn't until I stopped and thought about it. She couldn't, she was completely out of her routine. And once she was out of her routine, she had no idea what time it was. She couldn't, she was like, how many minutes and how, and what's going to happen? And how are we going to, when we get there, will, will it look the same? And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what, what's going on? And then I thought, this is, she's, she, she can't operate outside of this, what we've built and she can't control it. And she's, she was really struggling. We ended up putting all these stickers on the clock. I was like, we've got three hours to go. And it was a real insight into the kind of stuff that not that you do, but, you know, helping people to live within their world and to operate in that way. And it suddenly made all the sense of all the things that they'd been talking about with her when they said, imagine being her and feeling so out of control, but having to live according to, you know, you've got to be here at this time and you've got to, and then you've got to eat your lunch and then you've got to be back here at this time. And I suddenly had such an insight into how out of control she must feel. It was really, it was very sweet, but it was also quite sad. I sort of thought, God, I know they'd asked her before, how long does it take to get to school? And she said, two hours. And I was like, thank God it doesn't. But it's 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 very interesting that you kind of help people in that kind of way to make sense of what can be very confusing for them. But Liberty, I mean, what you've just said is, you know, it's, you know, it's so hard. It is so hard. But but I think what's amazing is um, I'm being taught by the kids. And I think what's, mm-hmm. what you've just said is is so powerful. You know, sometimes we just need to kind of stop and and observe and if we pause and you really look at your child um they will tell you they will show mm-hmm. you those difficulties but but i think you know to to function in a world where the rules are sometimes so discreet mm-hmm. and where the pressures are and if if your mind works slightly differently it it can be so confusing and yeah you're right you know i think as an occupational therapist it's um 
I often think it's I'm a jack of all trades and a master of very few. <laughs> I don't you? believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you also, it's a very practical, it's so practical. You know, it's it's really just, um, yeah, it's really looking at the practicalities and trying to kind of just navigate that and facilitate it. But I love the stickers idea. The other yeah. thing that I, that I found with time um, is to play songs is, you know, bath time is three songs. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah and you have a whole playlist so some of the families that I work with we've got playlists for everything <laughs> <laughs> because it just helps to mark time you know you know how you know yeah. you know the song um, because time is it's it's so abstract you know how do oh. you measure time you know clock yeah it's funny when she was little we used to talk about there used to be a peter rabbit show so i think it went on for about 20 minutes and she used to james used to say why'd she keep saying that she'd say how many peter rabbits until we get to granny's house and stuff like that and that was our first sign that there was something she was measuring in that way but um it's funny when you, you know you, you with anyone who you take it for granted that everyone has this similar view of the world and perceives things in a certain way. But I loved speaking to the occupational therapist just because she helped me to give, to, to, to see through Maggie's eyes and um, so many practical tips that she gave us to help her understand the world that we were, you know, gliding through so seamlessly. Um, and it, it's just been very sweet and so much easier for us since we've had that perspective so we, I mean I know you do you do such important work um so it, incredibly grateful to people like you I think it's a shame that so many people only find out about the kind of work that you do when they need you when you just do such amazing stuff and it must be rewarding it's funny that you said that your mum said you're going to go and be an occupational therapist and you absolutely love it that's so interesting it is so my mum's a social worker just to give context and I definitely thought I am not doing that (laughs) (laughs) why what did your dad do well well, and my dad, well, he's he's a pastor. So, you know, I grew up in this house where people were always kind of, yeah, people would just turn up at our door. Um, you know, we were just in the community all the time. And um, the thing is, the good thing about growing up with a pastor as a dad and a mum as a social worker, I knew everybody's secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Really? It made me incredibly nosy and I guess interested <laughs> in people. But I did learn from a very early age, you know, that whatever happens inside the doors, whatever I hear, it can't go anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, no, for me, I think it was just um, the fun bit about occupational therapy is the thing that really attracted me. And the thing that, you know, no, not one day is the same. Um, and I love learning about the brain and yeah so it so it is it just fits every single bit you know I didn't become an actress that's the one thing I think but but I get to role play all day long so yesterday to give you an example I was in a little assessment where I saw this little boy and honestly we were playing banker I was a sheriff then we were policemen and he kind of shackled me I was a prisoner (laughs) so you know I, I Every day brings something different. Oh, that's so sweet. And did your mum, do you think your mum saw that this was the role that you would be great in? Um, I think she knew. She knew that I'm I'm not as organised as she is. So I needed to find something that's random. 
And um, and I think that is why she just steered me towards towards occupational therapy. She did get some people, you know, I had to go and do those. Um, what's that? What job will be good for you? Type. Oh yeah. Type assessments. And um, and so I think she did. She did command some people to kind of help me along to to get me to get me there. But I am grateful for her. Um, she's she's quite formidable. Um, she's she's. You know, she's 75, and the other day I got a text from my dad to say, Mum has just been, um, well, she's just, she's the harness is on her. She is about to um, zip line. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I need to be worried. <laughs> and, um, and she did. She's, she's, she's quite a force to be reckoned with, but uh, um, I love it a bit. Um, but yeah, she, she there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. oh that's amazing so you probably haven't seen your parents for ages yes we haven't we haven't but thank goodness for zoom and Mm. um, you know south africa is one of the countries that i think um i don't know what they're going to do with all the vaccines and the kind of variations of covid um but yeah we do hope to kind of see each other soon Mm. sometime sometime this year I'm hoping to to go at some point but um, we'll have to wait and see but they all well you know um, as I say South Africa deals with things in a very different way Um, Mm -hmm. and they just they just take each day as it is um, and they they keep smiling you know they keep laughing about stuff that's the one thing about South Africa that I that I think is the joy that people have well it kind of joy amidst all the stuff that goes on but people keep you know people are quite yeah, they love, they, they enjoy laughing in South Africa. Mm. That's so true. Yeah, my son goes to a school where almost all the parents, well, he used to, almost all the other parents are South African. And uh, every year we go camping and um, we've just booked for July. We usually go in the May bank, in the May um, bank holiday and we've moved it to July. And um, it's us, another English family, and then all the other families are South African. And oh my God, we have such a good time. And uh, the South Africans are great because they love doing all the barbecuing. The men are all like, I'll do the braai so that we know that the food's going to be amazing. The mums are all so chilled and so happy. And it's just like, well, you almost feel like saying, sorry about the English weather. They're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Whatever the weather, we just have a laugh. There's like beers for breakfast. It's brilliant. It's not very... um health conscious but it's a brilliant brilliant weekend and they don't care they're so laid back their kids walk around with no shoes on and like knee deep in mud and like they could have like whatever like kicks in their ears or what are those those sluggy things in the water they don't care they're just like oh don't worry just uh, help sort your brother out and we just pour another glass of wine it's such fun they're just the most fun friends all of them I love hanging out with South Africans and they always have loads of sweets <laughs> yeah food is a big thing oh love well, it's it it's really and they have culture the biggest, isn't it the biggest <laughs> they have huge cooler boxes Yes, a cooler box is very important. You have to have a good cooler box. <laughs> All the men stand around comparing their cooler boxes. <laughs> so so what, do you, what do you do to look after yourself now? How do you kind of, you know, make sure that you're, you know, looking, having a bit of self-care and everything to be able to do this amazing job and raise your family at the same time? Oh, cat. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's a difficult one. 
it's a difficult one because I think it's it's so easy, isn't it, to kind of um, just keep keep giving, keep giving. But I think, um, and it was, I think for the last the last three years, I've kind of realised that you know what, you can't you can't give, keep giving, and you have to kind of fill up your own cup. And it took me a long time to kind of get there. So I love baking. I love, or I love cooking, actually. So cooking time in the evening. So five o'clock for me, it's um, a radio to Sarah Cox. And then, (laughs) and then I'll do, I'll, I'll cook. And that is the time that I, that I kind of just kind of process the day and the kids can come in and, you know, it's, it's that, that for me is my, is my time is, is I'm, I'm there in the kitchen and I'm cooking. So I'm doing things. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that, you know, to relax, it doesn't have to be that you have to kind of kind of lie down on the sofa. I love that too. For me, it's a, it's a um, you know, my ultimate is when I can be quiet and have a magazine and read it from cover to cover. Um, mm. I love that. And that is, and I think the kids have learned, learned that too. And it, it really takes me back because my mum used to do that on a, sat, a Sunday afternoon that we knew we could not go and bother her because she would have her magazine and um, you didn't dare, you didn't dare bother her. Um, so reading a magazine, being quiet is, is one way for me to relax. Cooking is, an, is another thing. And then I, I guess I'm one of these, I don't know, introvert out kind of extrovert people I love I love connecting with people and if I don't feel it but I also recharge on my own mm-hmm. so it's, it's a bit of both and then I am a reluctant gym goer I am very reluctantly go to the gym um, but I love a swim and I love being in the sea the sea is my absolute soul restorer uh, I just love 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 the sea so that's my that's my end goal is to have a little house by the sea and to wake up every morning and to go for a swim um I'd love that that would be my ultimate ultimate self-care oh that sounds gorgeous you need to watch sea spiracy (laughs) (laughs) yeah then you'll have a nice round like I do yeah you too you will mark my words the both of you will be feeling it when you watch that program it's interesting though because Kat you love you kind of cooking is one of your therapies isn't it yeah I remember that time I came around and you were super stressed out you were like let me just cook a curry and then you were like I'm fine I've solved it yeah yeah I have my mother-in-law with me at the moment I'm doing an awful lot of cooking (laughs) I whipped out 10 dishes today I'm kidding I'm not kidding. Oh, that's another conversation for another no. day. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I I love cooking though because I genuinely am passionate about it. But I, you know, I do love it. Like, I mean, Anelle and I have talked about this before. Um, I'm waiting for Anel to come for a swim with me, actually. I know we don't have the sea, but you know, she's promised this for me for a while now, and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> next week next week <laughs> yeah to be fair I've only been doing it for like the last few weeks I haven't been doing it that long but um I, yeah it's fun it's you fun. love it already though don't you but yeah, Manel sent me a message to I... say are you part of farts and I was like goodness no British what are you talking about <laughs> farts <laughs> yeah but bit of an unfortunate name <laughs> you have to you have to say who farts are now <laughs> I can't remember the 
exact acronym, but it is a, it's a group of very enthusiastic um, French um, swimmers <laughs> who meet, um, I think it's on a Sunday morning. So hopefully, hopefully people will go in Go and look at their Facebook page. They've got a Facebook page, Kat. Um, ah, well, I don't think I could be part of them because I think they're the people who've got the really expensive dry robe and I bought the, the mid-range cheap one. So they all are in the black <laughs> dry robes, but I'm in a bright red toweling one, which is the cheap spring-summer one because I couldn't quite commit to the 150 quid in my mind, my money mindset. Um, and so I was like, oh, not yet. I'm going to have to see if I like this first before I invest in a proper dry robe and then I got to the pond and all of the hundred million people were in a fancy one and I was like oh but I don't think mine it's nice um, so I think farts well, were the nice you. one I... but uh, yeah well, I hope to got... see you joining me uh, to, to be honest when I first did it I, mean, I didn't no, have honestly... a dry robe and I looked very unprofessional and I think people were like who is she? Why is she bringing a regular towel to the pond? And now it's always so lovely to talk to you. Um, you're a very special person who is extremely passionate about what, what you do and working with families and children. Um, you, you know, you do all kinds of things in your job. You are not just in a room helping children. You know, you, um, you, like, I think you were saying you, you, part of your day is sometimes you dress up for a tribunal, you, you're in a century gym, um, you're writing reports, you do so, there are so many different, um, things to your job. Um, and you've been doing it for a very long time and you absolutely love it. And I think, if somebody's been listening to this and they want to find you, how can they find you? They can find me on Instagram if, if they want. Um, but they can they can also, I think um my my kind of I'm just Anel OT. Anel I never know, is it a dash? What do you call that stripe in the middle? The hyphen. Uh, oh, like a no, like a forward. No, no, horizontal one. Oh. oh. Uh, but that one. So I'm just a now <laughs> horizontal stripe OT. <laughs> I think oh. if you Google that, I do come up. There's not many Anels out there. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd be it'd be lovely if people want to kind of connect with me. I'm really happy to to just give advice as much as I can because I think it's so important, you know. And if, if sometimes it's just one little piece that can kind of make make a big difference. So, mm-hmm. yes. People are welcome to email me, um, you know, send me a message and, and I'd love to connect with people. And yeah, thank you so much for, for today. I've, I've really loved this discussion. Oh, thank it's you. It's so lovely to speak to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you for coming on. We've really appreciated it. I loved it. And I'll see you at the swimming, cat. <laughs> yeah, and I want to meet Winslow. Bring him. <laughs> cool. Cute. Thank you so much. Aww. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Anel Grizel. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Bye.